Hello folks, this is the Ronin Rabbit, a Usagi Yojimbo fan podcast, and I'm your host, Ed Moore. In this episode 42, I'm talking about Usagi Yojimbo Volume 1, Issue 29, cover dated July 1991 from Fantagraphics Books. This is the second part of the Circles story, subtitled Remembrances. We open with Usagi leaving the company of his former sensei that he thought was dead for a long period of time and has found that he is miraculously now alive. As he, Usagi, continues his journey home because the current Lord Hikiji, who removed Lord Mufuni from power, is no longer actively searching for any of Mufuni's former loyal retainers or loyalists. So Usagi is of, of a mind that he can retire his sword, his, his warrior's way, and peacefully um, succumb, I guess, to the, the quieter side of life, the life that he initially grew up with as a child. So he's going home, very literally. And in his journeys, he starts to reminisce about the last time that he was home for any length of, of time uh, in his youth, just prior to indenturing himself, I guess would be the word, to Lord Mufuni, becoming a samurai to Lord Mufuni. And he is reminiscing about uh, a female companion of his, Mariko, who had feelings for him. Perhaps the feelings were not as... Um, allowed to develop as fully as they could have been between the two. But we see that they're sitting in a field, and, and she is wanting to spend time with Usagi before he leaves, while Usagi is spending time drawing uh, Mariko. And she gets kind of frustrated and snatches up his paintbrush and paints a fake mustache on him. Usagi then starts chasing after her, and they're playing around. They roll down a field and everything, and they're staring uh, uh, wistfully into each other's eyes. Usagi, you see, is kind of blushing. Mariko having big doe eyes. And a uh, brusque, there, you, uh, excuse me, you there, don't move, uh, jerks Usagi out of his, his reminiscing. And he turns, and there is Kenichi, a, um, uh, Mariko's current husband, uh, the father to Mariko's son, Jotaro, who, uh, as I kind of guessed, is the child that was missing from the first issue, because Kenichi and a band of men from the village, Usagi's village, are out looking for uh, Jotaro as he was out collecting mushrooms, never returned home. They went to search, found his basket, but no trace of him. So they assume that the bandits that have been rousting everyone in the area must be the ones responsible. Usagi says that uh, he will gladly help the search, and Kenichi uh, reluctantly accepts uh, Usagi's help. We cut to the bandits' lair uh, somewhere in the mountains. They have a pretty nice hut here by the looks of it. group of men are inside and one, the, maybe the the men's leader, the men's spokesperson is talking to Jai about what they're doing, uh, why, why they're doing this. 
And basically, Jai sets himself apart, or herself, excuse me, apart from the rest of uh, men, you know, the commoners, because the aspiration is to become a god, and the enmity towards Usagi is because Usagi interrupted that process. And so now, uh, Jai is of the opinion that the voices are telling her that... At least I believe it was a her. I didn't check that out. I apologize. Um, that if she kills Jotaro, or if she kills Usaki, which Jotaro is a link, but Jai doesn't understand exactly what the link is. If Jai kills Usagi and then kills herself, she will then become a god, uh, much like she was trying to do previously via a different method. So basically... Bandits, go do your thing. Go do whatever you want. Just leave me alone. I have much bigger fish to fry, so to speak. The bandits head off. They're starting to run low on supplies, so they decide that they're going to raid Usagi and Kenichi and Mariko and Jotaro's village to get those supplies. So they head off. As a side note, we see a Tokagi uh, that is messing around, finds the room that Jotaro is tied up in. And Jotaro has some some rice on his person and uh, smushes it into a ball and tosses the ball to the Tokagi. Um, all of this is kind of unfortunate because it, it makes me miss Spot. I really, I really dug Spot when he was a regular part of the story. I wish. So far, since the beginning, that's the only thing that I really wish that Mr. Sakai had not changed. I really wish that Spot was still with Usagi. Be that as it may, uh, the Tokagi is eating and then suddenly jerks up and runs away. And Jotaro notices that uh, Jai is there. And he speaks a little bit, Jotaro and, and uh, Jai. And they Jai finds out that there is a connection between Jotaro and Usagi because Jotaro knows Usagi. We cut back to Kenichi and Usagi wandering around looking for signs of Jotaro, signs of the bandits. A messenger uh, runs up on them saying that the village is right now being attacked by bandits. So they, they, the uh, village men and Kenichi and Usagi go that way. They head that way to get the bandits. The bandits pretty much have, have run through the village, gotten everything that they needed, and now they are getting ready to leave just as the village men arrive. Uh, there's a battle. Uh, one of the village men does, or one of the uh, bandits does not make it out. He is uh, loosed from his horse and falls while the rest of the bandit group escapes. The village men decide not to give chase uh, after Usagi convinces them that that would be in the not in the best interest of Jotaro to do that, because um, they they the bandits probably have Jotaro again. They don't know for sure. The village men don't know. So as they're discussing this, Usagi hears Mariko calling after him. She's kind of surprised that he's there. Uh, there's a, a nice little. Uh, 
seeing each other for the first time in Forever Seen here, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, that, all that kind of romantic stuff just isn't much my bag in comic books. Um, I apologize. I don't mean to offend anyone. Certainly not Mr. Sakai for including things like this, but th- 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 those are not the reasons that I read comic books. Those are not the reasons that I read uh, feudal, medieval, Japan-based comic books. So... It doesn't interest me much. And I try to pass that along to you, that it doesn't interest me much. So, Kenichi now realizes that uh, one of the bandits is here, and he's going to take him and, quote-unquote, air quotes there I use, question him. Marco uh, leads Usagi back to Marco and Kenichi's hut to catch Usagi up on the Jotaro missing story, which is interesting because there's not much of a story there, and Usagi is pretty much caught up. But this is an opportunity for the two of them to speak by themselves, which is I don't I don't much like really because she she pines over why Usagi left, and Usagi tells her that he is a samurai and I had a duty to my lord, and she rebuffs him. Duty, honor, those words will always stand between us. And here, here she says something that I don't understand. It doesn't figure into this. I am a samurai too, and those words bind me as much as they do you. Now, if this were true, she would not be giving Usagi grief to begin with, because she would understand why he did what he did. doesn't mean she would like it, but she should be, in my mind, if she were true samurai, much more accepting and understanding of why he did this. And she is not. So what is coming out of her mouth and her actions do not match up, and they do not match up in in so extreme a way that, that I find her to be very, very false. Just as they're uh, trying to finish up this conversation, Kenichi comes to get Usagi because they have gotten the information, and again, again, air quotes, uh, from the bandit as to where the bandit lair is. There's a four-panel thing here between Mariko and Kenichi where they, they look at each other and she is ashamed, I guess, and then he is sad and he leaves and she, I, I guess they're, they're having some nonverbal sparring over the fact that she had feelings for Usagi, was never able to get over them. Kenichi took his place, uh, not necessarily emotionally, but physically as far as her companion, uh, father to her child, leader, protector of the village, all of these uh, major level responsibilities that he feels that Usagi skipped out on. Uh, Interestingly enough, of course, the the life of a samurai is not necessarily one of glamour, and it has its own level of of, uh, responsibility that just seems to be completely played off. But uh, that whole triangle between Usagi and Kenichi and Marco is kind of curious to me. Um, Usagi, I think, is the individual that acts more towards kind uh, as far as the character is. The other two, I just, I don't, I don't quite get. But, okay. Final page of the book. We see the bandits. 
and they're partying over the sake that they have recently stolen, singing a song that uh, the lyrics Mr. Sakai gives us, or in part, uh, probably the, the final chorus of the song. And the sea bass said, ho, ho, Mr. Octopus, don't you thumb your nose at me. Ha, 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 they're laughing. And one of the bandits is sitting here making faces and everything, dancing uh, in, in the midst of the others. The bandit who is the seemingly the spokesperson, offers uh, Jai a drink. Uh, he, she refuses. There's a, a little discussion here. The village headman and some long-eared stranger, boy, what tigers, talking about the two that captured the other bandit. And it's at that point that Jai realizes that Usagi is there. And that's where we finish the story. Next time out is uh, Usagi Ojimbo, Volume 1, Issue 30, cover dated September 1991. Circles Part 3, subtitled Shroud Over the Mountain. Now, uh, we had, uh, again, uh, Miyamoto, who is our protagonist. We saw Jay, Jai, uh, Jotaro, Kenichi, and Mariko. A couple other, at least one other named individual that I don't think is going to be very significant. We saw uh, Mr. Sakai introduce, introduced us to Masubi, which is the ball of rice uh, that Jotaro made to feed to the Tokagi. And uh, I, I don't know, like I said, uh, that the, the whole love triangle between Mariko, Kenichi, and Usagi, her feelings about what Usagi did, it, it all seems kind of strange to me and, and not necessarily... Um, equates with the characters that these different individuals are playing, the parts in the story that they play. Um, some of the parts work that they play. Other parts that they're playing don't work in connection with the parts that do work. I, I hope that's making sense. Um, uh, case in point, Mariko, the the scorned love interest, that, that plays true. Mariko claiming that she is a samurai and the way she acts doesn't play true with Mariko, the spurned former love interest. Okay. So, just maybe as this uh, story matures between the three of them, there will be a little bit more, uh, in my mind, evening out of the actions and reactions of the characters. We'll see. For those of you that uh, want to leave comments, uh, perhaps, you know, uh, some folks know more about this relationship that's coming up. I don't necessarily want to be spoiled, but if there's some sort of insight uh, as to why in this particular story these characters act the way they do, I'd, I'd welcome that, that type of insight. You can send that to, uh, let's see, usagipodcast at gmail.com if you want to do it in an email. You can leave a comment on Google+. Plus. Ronan Rabbit has a page there where I post the episodes when they go live. BigTimeNoise.com slash Ronan Rabbit is the website. You can leave comments there attached to the shows. Each one has its own uh, blog entry. And I do post the episodes when they go up on the Usagi Ojimbo Dojo Facebook page. So, of course, you have an opportunity to leave, leave comments there. And um, I guess that's everything for me this time out, guys. Issue 30 uh, next time for episode 43. And we will talk to you then. Ciao. The Ronin Rabbit Podcast is a Teal production. And as such, is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution 
non-commercial, non-derivatives, 3.0, unported license.